It's time for the Talent Talk Radio Show, brought to you by People G2, a nationwide leader in background checks and employment screening solutions. People G2 gives their clients access to the best human capital management and due diligence tools available. They are dedicated to helping their clients with all of their people-related decisions. To learn more, go to www.peopleg2.com. Talent Talk centers on the topics of talent recruitment and management, leadership development, company culture, and employee engagement. These are all timely topics for CEOs, entrepreneurs, HR professionals, and business leaders. We hope that as you tune in to listen each week, whether to the live broadcast or to the podcast on iTunes or iHeartRadio, that you hear something you can take away that will help you grow and impact your career in a positive way. And now, here's the host of the Talent Talk Radio Show, the founder and CEO of People G2, Chris Dyer. Hey, thank you for tuning in here to Talent Talk. It's Tuesday, we're live, and we have a special guest in uh, connecting from us all the way across the pond. And we're really excited to get to him and, and a little, little, little business, a little explanation on kind of what we're doing and why we're here before we get rolling. Um, you know, I personally met so many inspiring leaders at different events through LinkedIn, wherever it may be, and um, always looking to learn cool and new things and to hear what other people are thinking about and what they're working on. And so this show is really designed to let you listen in on that conversation and get the opportunity to to hear what they're maybe thinking about and pick up some some cool and awesome things that you can take back into your company, into your life, whatever it may be, and that I not be the only one that gets to hear all these cool things. So um, so many of these conversations have, have just been um, so inspiring and there's been so many great tidbits that have come out of them that I put them into my first book uh, published by Kogan Page called The Power of Company Culture. Um, and uh, love for you to check it out. You can find it on Amazon or on their website. Um, as uh, I mentioned, Talent Talk is live, uh, 1 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, but most of you access us through iTunes, uh, subscribe to the podcast there. You listen to us on iHeart, which you can subscribe to as well. Podbean is a m- many different ways, but kind of the cumulative, we're getting over 10,000 of you a day downloading at least one episode, and we really appreciate the effort. We appreciate the support and being a part of the conversation which typically seems to be happening on Twitter. So we'd love for you to comment there, send us your questions, at PeopleG2, use that hashtag Talent Talk, whether it's during the live show or afterwards, we'd love to keep that conversation going. Send us those anytime you want. If it's live, my producer Mike will try to get me uh, your comment or question in. We could try to squeeze it in the show if we have time. So uh, as I mentioned, we're bringing in one guest today, kind of changing our format a little bit, uh, Glenn Elliott. He's a speaker, he's an author, um, and he focuses on the topic of employee engagement, something that we love here, something that we talk about all the time. So I can't wait to find out more about him and what he's doing. So let's go ahead and bring him in. Glenn, welcome. Hi, Chris. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. And uh, why don't you tell everyone what's important for us to know about you as it relates to our conversation today? And, you know, kind of what are you doing in the area of employee engagement? Um important to know about me I guess uh, I started like many people do with a you know university college degree uh, in a big corporate business um, the UK phone company British Telecom uh, 10 reasonably happy years there actually uh, from when I was kind of 20 to 30 um, and it was in that 10 years I kind of learned really some of the ways that big companies disengage their people um, I didn't understand it as, as employee engagement at the time I didn't know the language or the industry 
Um, I was just a, you know, another worker in a large company. But it kind of sowed some seeds in my mind that um, became valuable later on. I, le- I left that company uh, when I was about just before I was 30, uh, and I kind of went back to my roots as an entrepreneur, uh, and I ran a couple of businesses. The most recent one uh, is Reward Gateway. It's a business I founded uh, 13 years ago, and I was CEO of that for 12 and a half years, 12, 12 years. Um, and that's an employee engagement technology business where I basically took um, – the, the things that I kind of learned in the corporate and the things that I'd learned in building a small team in my first business. Um, and I companies to look at their employee engagement issues internally. So I think, you know, the thing which is inter- maybe interesting about me and slightly different from some people is I'm not a consultant and I didn't start out as a consultant. I started out as a normal guy in a business, uh, I then became an entrepreneur. I'm a business person first. Um, and I, I learned the hard way through mistakes that engaging your people is is the only surefire way to bottom line business success. And that's really why I spend my time sharing now. Well, that's great. And, you know, I think you share a similar path to a lot of people that they were in, you know, bigger companies or in situations where it's pretty obvious to us that they're doing things to disengage their employees or doing things to make it harder than they have to. And probably missing out on, right, these really simple, awesome things that we could be doing to make people happier, to make them more engaged, to get them involved. And imagine some of that might come along. Maybe you could share a little bit about your book. To write the book about um, three years ago, um, because by then we'd done kind of nine years of working with companies, you know, big companies and small ones, everyone from IBM to American Express, McDonald's, Bloomberg, Unilever, lots of big companies that you'd know, and like hundreds and hundreds of small ones to everything from you know 50 to 100 staff, up to a few hundreds. And I'd, we'd learned a lot. We'd learned enough um, that we felt we could help people to kind of navigate a path, um, which kind of you know um, it made sense. It made sense to kind of start to construct it into a book. Uh, and the kind of founding, the founding. I guess nugget in the book is a is a really simple model called the engagement bridge, which is just the ten parts of your relationship with your people that we think you need to just think about uh, if you want to influence your culture of employee engagement at work. And that's the structure of the book. It's uh, it's structured as ten chapters um, around the bridge, and in each chapter we explain kind of the strategy and the principles associated with that part, and then we also give some kind of really mini case studies called we call them plays because it's a playbook it's meant to help you get really get started um and those mini case studies uh they're amazing we we were fortunate enough to be able to source kind of the inside secrets from some of the world's best companies we we feature people like linkedin american express discovery channel gap hershey they all were good enough to share with share with us and share with our readers some of the things that they do um, to engage their people. Uh, so it's a, you know, it's both an inspirational book, I hope, and a, and a very practical one too. Well, it sounds like one that uh, most of our audience would probably really be interested in checking out, given we have so many CEOs and HR leaders that tune in here every week. Um, you started to mention a little bit about the bridge. I know you have developed this concept of an engagement bridge. What, what is that? So the, the, you know, when I think when you think about employee engagement, um, sometimes. It's easy to kind of fixate on some of the issues, but not all of them. So you know, people often think about remuneration. Sometimes they think that you know they think far enough advanced to think about recognition. They might think about the physical environment and the physical space. Um, but actually, 
there are, we, we found there are 10 things you really need to think about. Um, there are open and honest communication, uh, purpose, mission, values, leadership, management, job design, learning, recognition, compensation, workspace, and well-being. And the bridge is just a very simple model that puts those things together, makes a couple of key points about how, um, which parts are different from others, and it just helps you look at your organization through this lens of, of this model uh, and, and just decide where you want to make change uh, for you. So it's not a recipe, it's not a fixed plan, it's not like to do these 10 things and take you'll get engagement out the other, other end because that's just not possible. Every organization is different, everyone's context is different, everyone's situation is different. But it's a lens that helps you look at the kind of totality of that relationship and, and helps you figure out a plan for yourself. So do you think there's like a standard that HR and legal departments are sort of defaulting to that's problematic? Or do you think that maybe people just don't know there's this better way to do things? And I guess maybe if they are going to the default, then, you know, are you looking for people to really rebel against that that status quo, that standard uh, that comes across, you know, in the, the average kind of crappy place to work? Um, or, you know, what, what's sort of the right design there for us to get to that employee-employer, good relationships between all parties involved? I think, you know, HR and legal departments, or HR departments, I mean, there are good people, there are some great people in HR. Well, you know, I spend my whole life working with HR people, and they're, they're generally pretty wonderful people who, you know, who really care about what they're doing and, and are trying to make positive impacts. But what we've seen over the last kind of 40 years is, especially in America and, and Western Europe, is the real downsizing of HR departments to a really bare minimum, uh, really, 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 really kicked off in the 80s. And in some organizations, the, the only real thing that's left is the bit which kind of protects the company legally against the evils of staff who, you know, are presumed to want to, you know, bring, bring the company harm. And... The problem with that is when you start off with the assumption that your staff are the enemy, then you end up essentially building a whole lot of process and procedure uh, and language as stuff around, you know, protecting the company's interests in a very, very one-sided relationship. And this is just a complete killer of employee engagement because it just tells your staff from day one that we don't trust you and we, and, and we need to be protected from you. And the reason the book is called Build It, the Rebel Playbook um, for Employee Engagement, and it's specifically called the Rebel Playbook because we realized when we were writing it that everything we were doing, everything we were saying, whilst it kind of feels obvious to many people, um, I mean, you, you used the word pretty obvious just earlier on, but it's pretty obvious what's wrong with many organizations. It's obvious, but it's not, business, you know, it's not standard business practice. Standard business practice disengages people there's nothing wrong with the staff there's everything wrong with our companies you know we we, we, we make people sign contracts and with employee uh, and, and employee handbooks that you know are completely skewed in the employer's favor we tend to under communicate with people we don't explain what's happening properly when we do corporate restructuring we treat people badly we're not you know we don't show gratitude and thanks to people uh, for dedicating large parts of their lives to our business we make them look this we, we behave that they're disposable and then we kind of look back on it and say jesus these people aren't dedicated to their jobs and they're not dedicated <laughs> to their company i wonder what's wrong with them right. and it's like well, well they were pretty excited the job on the day but just taking them through a whole process that disengaged people what's interesting about it all is the actual things you need to start doing to engage your staff are incredibly simple and most of them don't even cost any money 
they're just counter to normal business practice. Um, so, you know, communicating with your staff in a, in a much more open and transparent way, telling them what's going on, explaining why things are happening, telling them when you don't know something, telling them when a product's failing or a department's struggling and that, you know, you try to figure it out and you need everybody's help. Communicating with people in a humble, honest, transparent way, not pretending you have all the answers and not kind of writing that kind of HR speak where, you know, you read it. Everyone knows that one thing's happened and the company's saying something completely different. They're, you know, there's some of the things we've got to do. So you, you do need to rebel against standard business practice because it's bad. It's, 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 the, it's standard business practice that has resulted in a world where 70% of our staff are disengaged at work. So do you see situations where, you know, I, I see companies that are doing it poorly get better when management, when leadership is involved in saying, hey, we got to do something better with this. We put better focus here. Um, I, I, and I've certainly seen situations where, you know, they've brought staff together and they've done it together. And that's usually the best. Right. Um, but I wonder if you've ever seen situations where those employees, right, those are sort of the ones who were trying to get engaged are actively kind of rebelling against what is happening internally and actually being able to help the company force change? Or is that too much work and do you just lose your best talent and you end up with all of your C and B players left and then wondering what happened? I mean, you know. I think I think in the most cases you do what you um – what you, you suggested, you you lose all your best people. And the best, the best, your, your best talent is mobile. It has choices, um, and, and and you know if you if you run a, if you're running a poor workplace, they will eventually. Most of them will eventually jump to work somebody else. What's interesting actually is the ones that don't jump. Um, it's actually probably worse for you because you're just paying them to be a disengaged employee, and you're not getting the best out of them. So you end up with the worst of all worlds. There are, though, I mean, there are um, some great examples of businesses where, you know, em- ground-level employees really, really work closely with management and leadership to create a great business. And I was at, I was at a, um, a panel discussion at the, uh, the RSA in London just a couple of weeks ago where the chief exec of the Royal Mail, so that's the UK's postal service, um, she was talking about what an amazing job her trade unions had done in helping her modernize the business and helping her uh, to create a much better place to work and much better jobs. And I think that's, it was a really, you know, heartwarming example of how, um, about how, you know, leadership management and, and, and ground level staff can really work together. So it can happen. It's probably not the most common. Right. Right. Uh, for sure. And maybe you have other forces like a union or something like that to maybe help out where I think maybe a, tra- a traditional company maybe doesn't have that. Yeah. Well, certainly uh, getting some fascinating things here from Glenn Elliott. We're going to take a quick uh, commercial break here. Uh, we'll just get one in, and then we'll come back, and we'll pick up with him and find out uh, more with what he's doing and talk about uh, the book and everything else. So we'll be right back after this quick commercial break. Imagine buying a newspaper and discovering that the news you're reading is six months old. There isn't much that stays the same for six months, and the same thing goes for background checks. In a time when so much outdated information is being passed around, it's good to know that People G2 offers something different. At People G2, we provide today's intelligence, not yesterday's news. Our value-added approach offers you a fully FCRA-compliant solution that includes up-to-the-minute information. By combining industry-leading technology with old-school human investigation, People G2 is able to give you information that is accurate right now. 
delivered quickly to our online system or integrated with your HR system. So ask yourself, are you comfortable working with old news or are you ready for a different kind of background check company? Visit PeopleG2.com or call 800-630-2880. That's 800-630-2880 or PeopleG2.com. Welcome back to the Town Talk Radio Show. Don't forget you can find us on iHeart, iTunes, go to TownTalkRadio.com. There's no excuse. We're everywhere. Um, but we're back here with um, Glenn Elliott. He's a speaker and also author of uh, uh, the Rebel Playbook of Employee Engagement, um, which I, I'm sure people will be happy to, to check out and certainly uh, learn more from you there. Um, we both uh, came out with books recently, and uh, mine was the, the Power of Company Culture. So some similarities there, and I kind of wondered if you thought it was maybe some sort of a, a tie-in, what your thoughts were between engagement and then the overall sort of idea of what the company provides its employees in the way of culture. So, you know, does, does culture create engagement? Does engagement create culture? Or what does that look like in your mind? I mean, I, I think, you know, I think often when you get authors and consultants together, we can spend quite a bit of time tripping over words and definitions <laughs> and things. And, and actually, we end up violently arguing exactly the same right. points. Right. I mean, I kind of think, you know, for me, for me, simplistically, company culture is the totality of the 10 things on the bridge. You know, you stick it, you, know, you, you change the things on the bridge, you change how leadership works, how, how you communicate, you change how recognition works. And what happens? Company culture changes. So it's kind of the output. I think I've, I've not read your book, Chris, so I'm excited to do so, though. Uh, I'd be very surprised if you're saying anything that's wildly, radically different to, you know, what, what I'm saying. Because essentially, you know, if we're, if we're talking about how to create, I mean, all we're talking about is pretty simple, I think. is we're trying, we're trying, How do you create an environment at work where people are able to do their best work and they want to do their best work? I mean, you know, you, it's, it's, it's simple stuff. Mm-hmm. And how do you stop making them feel like works a real drag and they'd rather be anywhere else doing anything else but they can't leave because they've got the rent, the rent to pay and the house to pay and i think you know there are loads of different books about culture and employee engagement my advice to anyone is like you know read several you know read several find the one that you like the language of that resonates with you best and then just get going because you know the, the problem we have with employee engagement and progress it's not that people are reading the wrong book or the wrong model or doing the it's the fact that they're not implementing any of it you know and i don't right. care if you i don't care if you buy my book and implement my model or you buy you know jacob morbin's book and employee experience and implement his model or somebody else you know it doesn't matter just get moving on one of them um, because I'm, I'm pretty certain that almost any of them will, will help you make significant progress. Yeah, and I've noticed a little bit like, uh, I guess it's like the, the, the scales of justice, right? You have kind of equal, and if you want engagement, I think, and culture to really be working well, that you're kind of back and forth putting a little bit more back into each bucket, meaning, you know, leadership's got to keep on top of what they think is important, where they, how they want to drive the company, where they want to go, what's their vision, what's the purpose, all that, right? But on the flip mm-hmm. side, then you got to keep engagement going. And I have seen situations where engagement was super high and leadership was super low or vice versa, right? Leadership was all over it and they were doing great things, but people just weren't engaged yet. They hadn't quite figured that part out yet. And it seems like one can kind of run over the other, right, or railroad the other. Um, and then the yeah. best organizations that good balance. Do you agree? I mean, I think, you know, employee engagement, employee engagement's about, Getting, getting your whole team to pull together in the same direction and doing their best work. 
if the leadership of the organization has got the whole company strategy in the wrong direction, the company's going to fail, whether it's going to highly engage workforce or not. You know, if your right. product sucks and people don't want to buy it, you're not going to be around <laughs> for very long. You right. know, to some extent, if you've got a really engaged workforce, if you're lucky and you have time, the staff will figure out that the product sucks and they'll fix it for you. They'll work out what the client wants and they'll nav- iterate and navigate to the right, the right place. Um, but, you know, you, you, you know, as a business leader, you've got to have the right strategy for the business. Then you've got to engage your people around it uh, to, to execute on that and deliver it. It's not an either or. We need both. So you've mentioned you, know, you have ten different kind of areas. You have your bridge that you, you're kind of using uh, that as a way to kind of explain all of this from a foundational standpoint. I mean, there are certain things that you maybe look at first or that you start with to really make sure that people or companies, excuse me, can really begin those the right stages right into company culture it's interesting you know when i when i when i talk to clients i always say look my standard advice is like consider everything on the bridge assess yourself where you are and the most important thing is start where you can move fastest because what you the biggest enemy of engagement progress is inertia if people say oh you know i think maybe we need to do some work on area x and we can't do that for some reason for two years so let's just wait two years and that's that's a real problem the caveat to that is that i i haven't seen a single organization make really good headway in engagement without having made some significant strides in open and honest communication and i think that's because open and honest communication is so closely linked with trust and employee trust and there's some great data from Edelman in New York, a market research agency. They've been studying trust in the workplace for about 30 years. And what they find is about half of people don't trust their boss, about half of people don't trust the CEO, and about half of people don't really trust anybody at work. And it's difficult to see how you know, that person can become engaged, you know, be excited about what the company is doing, be excited about how their role contributes to the success of that and really want the company to succeed if, it's just, if they get to work and they don't trust anybody. So I kind of think organizations looking really close and hard at their culture of honest communication internally uh, is, is really important strand. And it starts with the basics, like when someone leaves your organization, when they get fired for, for performance reasons, what happens? In some organizations, nothing said. The person just vanishes. and, they, and we know, like, It's like they were through a hole in the floor and we're just all left to wonder. In other organizations, you know, a story is made that they want more time with their kids or do some, like pursue a hobby. But the problem is when we under-communicate or when we lie to our staff, the, ca- the victim is, the casualty is, is trust. Um, and it makes people worry that they might be next. Whereas it's actually much more, uh, it's much more grown up and honest to just say, hey, you know, John left us today because despite his best efforts and our best efforts, he just wasn't really hitting his numbers and it wasn't the right job for him. And, you know, we wish him well on his, on his thing. And that's a real basic, just but that, that, that kind of miscommunication happens every single hour of every single day in many organizations. Um, you know, uh, the Barnes & Noble CEO just got fired a few weeks ago. Um, and like the you know the, the the Barnes and Noble put out a release saying he's been fired for not following our policies, and that's it. And there's no more information than that. So you know you've got an entire workforce at that business thinking, heavens, like which policy is it? Am I going to be the next person? <laughs> you know what? Right. Like, what? Just such a such a dumbass answer is it not following right. policies. Whereas like where's the honest story about what happened to that guy? He was fired with no 
with no severance pay. So clearly right. something was going on. Was it the wrong colored tie or was he subject to harassing exactly. somebody, yeah, right? He, I mean, was, it, he it, used it, the wrong pen. I mean, you know, <laughs> I, I don't you know. And, and that's what I mean by the fact that that's not an honest, that's not an open and honest way to talk, you know, way to deal with your workforce. And I think, especially with, if you're going to fire the CEO, which is the ultimate leader responsible that everyone's working for, the staff deserve some transparency. Right. Well, what about generational differences? Um, there's been a lot of talk about uh, the role that millennials have and being one of the largest, if not finally the largest um, generation in our workforce right now. Are you seeing them changing expectations or organizational leaders? Or are they, what kind of impact are they having on you know, this overall idea of, of engagement and culture? You know, I'm fascinated by millennials, or, or maybe I'm actually fascinated by our reaction to millennials and how we kind of, many of us think that they kind of, they've landed from another planet and we don't understand them and it's kind of strange. But actually, millennials are just the product of the business culture from the preceding 30 years. You know, so the 1980s, we largely removed the idea of job for life and that you could have a corporate career for 30, 40 years. Uh, we brought in, you know, in the 90s and the noughties, we brought in loads of measurements and, and metrics and stuff so that in many jobs, your, your performance is kind of on the wall or it's on a screen or it's at your boss's fingertips. Um, we brought in a whole heap of insecurity around work. And then we're kind of curious as to why millennials only stay in a job for two years and why they're all bothered about, you know, wanting constant affirmation and constant kind of feedback on how they're doing. And it's just what we created. So I think um, the thing that's really changing work is millennials not not wanting not being able to trust their employer to, to give them a job for 10 20 30 years and the fact that in some developed nations we've got kind of close to full employment for people with skills and what that gives us is it gives it basically shifts the power um, to the employee to the best for the best employees so that they're, they're mobile they can move and it's making organizations have to work harder uh, you know because they don't want to lose their best stuff um, and they've just got more options. And I think, you know, things, websites like Glassdoor, which allows, you know, employees to anonymously review their employer, they've also made a significant shift because our own research um, suggests that about 80% of people check Glassdoor reviews before they apply for a job. Uh, and 60% will not apply for a job that has got significantly bad reviews, for a company that's got bad reviews. And I think it's it, what we're seeing is social media combined with millennials starting to change the balance of power, which is, I think is a really good thing. It's a good thing for shareholders too because it will make organizations better and that will be more, make them more successful on the bottom line. Well, you brought up Glassdoor and one of the um, you know, big things you see on that site when you go to look up a company is a rating of the CEO. And um, So what do you think exemplifies a good CEO or maybe if we put in the context of your book, a rebellious CEO? What is it they can be doing or or, or, or or exemplifying, I guess, for someone to look at them as maybe being a good place to work? I mean, I think good CEOs are deeply connected to their people because they understand that the only way to really influence the bottom line is through the people. Um, I do meet CEOs occasionally who say things like, oh, Glenn, you do all that soft stuff, but I just focus on the numbers. And I kind of just think it's bizarre. Like, what do these people do? Do they just stare at Excel and somehow the numbers magically get delivered? I mean, you can put whatever numbers you want in the spreadsheet, but you know, you can make a great model. But if you, if you can't get your people to deliver it, um, it's just not going to happen. I think the rebellious CEOs um, they really support their 
they support their HR team and their leadership team, their exec team, to do things differently. They give them, they create a safe space for them to say, do you know what? We don't need to do things like everyone in corporate America has done before. What we need to do is what's right. And I think you see that in businesses like Netflix with Reed Hastings. I think he's done um, working with Patty McCord, who was his chief talent officer for many years. You know, they put in place some amazing, uh, amazing work in HR, which was radically different to what anyone had done before. And it was brave and courageous because it was completely non-standard. But it was absolutely right for them at the time. And it, and it created an, what's a phenomenal business. Um, and I think the best rebellious CEOs, they, they lead, they give their exec team, they, they kind of give them the permission and the tools to do this because people need it. Right, right. Well, then if we kind of reverse it here and we look at the employee themselves, how does compensation, do you think, factor into employee engagement to the happiness of the employee or satisfaction in their job? I think comp's really interesting um, because you know in, so sometimes in life we kind of think it, we get obsessed about it. And we think that that's the only thing people are in it for. Uh, you know, Adam Smith, who was kind of godfather, he, he was convinced that man would only come to work uh, for the for his own gratification and his own remuneration, um, and it simply isn't true. Um, but Dan Pink's done loads of great research. Uh, there's some really good stuff in his book Drive, um, really about the psychology of motivation, about what we're motivated by. And it would be really convenient if everyone was completely motivated by money because it would be really easy to manage people. It just simply isn't true. Some people are highly motivated by money on some tasks and some people are not. But I think where comp really comes into engagement is all around uh, fairness because the problem, the problem uh, most people have in, in businesses with money is that they feel it's not awarded fairly. Uh, so it's not necessarily that they haven't got enough for themselves. It's that they feel that they're doing an equal job to the person next to them or the person across the room, and that other person is being treated in a, in a, in a more fair way. Um, there's a wonderful um, video on YouTube, if, you, if anyone listening wants to Google it. Uh, it's uh, called The Monkey and the Cucumber Experiment. It's a university experiment where they take two um, capuchin monkeys uh, and they, they, uh, they train them to... Um, hand a rock through the cage in exchange for a piece of cucumber. And then uh, they give the monkey on the right a grape instead of a cucumber, which is obviously nicer than a cucumber. <laughs> and you see how the monkey on the left reacts. And he, it, it, like, he sees, she sees what this other monkey's got. She only gets a cucumber next, and she hurls it back through the, the cage. <laughs> um, and it's fascinating. You know, she was perfectly happy to work for a cucumber three minutes ago until she saw what someone else has done. And I think fairness and when lo looking at transparency and, and, and is really important. Um, there's a business in, in New York uh, called Buffer, social media marketing business um, and automation, automation business, and they've done some really good work on this. They, they have all of their staff salaries on a public Google spreadsheet that you can look at at um, open.buffer.com, and their whole thing is public, and they've created an amazingly transparent culture as a result. So you said all of their comp is there? Yeah, literally, if you go to open.buffer.com, you can find their sales report for last week. You can find their clients that joined and left yesterday. You can find out what sales they did yesterday. You can see the entire staff list with salaries, equity packages, everything. They're completely open. Um, and their, their philosophy is, is if, if it's the reason for people being closed is because they're ashamed of something or there's something that they don't want to explain. Uh, right. And I, I, do, I do empathize with that. That's normally, that's normally why we don't have salaries as a, you know, in the public or we don't tell people where everyone's earnings because we're, we're frightened that we can't explain differences. 
Yeah, absolutely. And that's uh, usually the mark of a really, really transparent, fully transparent company. And that's actually one of the first examples I've heard. I mean, I don't know if they're employee-owned. Usually the employee-owned ones are typically the ones that can get to that level because um, mm. everyone is engaged or sort of uh, attached to the company in a slightly stronger way. Um, but, uh, yeah, that's fa absolutely fascinating. Well, one of the things that we've been asking our guests um, – been getting some amazing answers, funny answers, uh, off the wall answers, but um, all all great stuff. Is you know, is there an app or a gadget or something you've added to your uh, to your work or your life in this this past year that maybe you could share with us that we might want to take a look at or take advantage of? Oh, that's a great question. I mean, I'm a I'm a techie and a bit of a nerd, so I'm always buying technology and things yeah. for the house. So lots of stuff to choose from. I'm actually going to choose though uh, an app which is not new. It's actually really old and probably everyone knows about it but I've just really re recently restarted using it and it's the TED app uh, so it's the mobile mm -hmm. phone app for TED you know the, the kind of 10-15 minute uh, inspirational talks and I've recently brought that back into my life because uh, I can download talks for offline listening and I can like listen to a TED talk every day and I found some just incredible incredible stuff my absolute standout favorite of the month um, is a wonderful uh, Nigerian novelist um, and feminist that I fact discovered called Chimamanda Ngozi Adichie. Um, and she has two TED Talks, one called We Should All Be Feminists uh, and one called The Dangers of a Single Story. And I must have listened to them uh, ten times each. She's just the most amazing, inspirational woman. Um, and she tells a story that everyone should listen to. So that's my favorite app right now. Uh, it sounds great. I mean, it's always good to go back to the some of those things that maybe we maybe originally got us going on apps and the phones and things like that, and they continue to evolve, and um, it's, it's it's great to watch those things, and certainly a great way to start your day as opposed to reading the news um, or uh, anything else negative that you might jump to. Uh, going to some of those inspirational things can really get your day going off great. That's uh, that's great. Well, what about books? Is there a book that you're reading right now, or maybe one that you suggest, other than of course your your own book um, that uh, you should you know people should check out and read yeah so i've always got a couple of books on the go um right now i've just started rereading a book which i'd actually read several years ago uh, and it's daring greatly by Brene brown great book um, yeah so i was uh, i was lucky enough to see Brene speak at a conference about three or four years ago the hubspot inbound conference in boston and she just blew me away she was just the most incredible um, speaker um if, if anyone's not uh, read it or heard about it it's a book all about um vulnerability and shame and uh, if that sounds heavy it's not she's just a wonderful writer and she basically writes about how uh, vulnerability is the kind of key to uh, life and the key to success and if we and, and our, our avoidance of shame uh, is is one of the real scourges of our existence and it kind of makes us avoid an awful lot of things uh, which could you know be really successful for us it's a kind of wonderful book and I'm, I'm just I've just started it I'm about 30 pages in uh, and um, it's something that's really, I think it's really important. Well, you and I have had almost an identical experience. I sort of found her at a conference. It was at an ink conference, and it was that book. And really understanding that shame component helped me understand a lot of the difficult people in my life and trying to understand why they did these bizarre things or why they would act the way they acted or do what they did. And Suddenly, when you understand that shame component, you you know you realize that they have something in their past or something unresolved that is just driving them to avoid it at such a high cost that they're willing to sabotage or willing to create 
chaos and conflict, do whatever they can to avoid having to think about or deal with uh, that shame. And it really just opens up so many doors and abilities to have dialogue. And you talked about TED Talks. She has one of the most popular TED Talks of she all does, time. She does, yeah. So uh, she's wonderful to check out there. If you're not a big reader, uh, you can go watch her on TED. But I'm going to guess you're going to get the, the book or the audio book after seeing that. She's, she's pretty great. This is great. Yeah. So we're just about uh, wrapping up here. Um, you know, we've talked about a lot of different things today, certainly all around engagement and culture. Someone had been half paying attention. I'm sure that they were diligently listening to everything we had to say. But had they been half paying attention, is there like one thing you think they should have taken away from our conversation? One big, you know, they should have they should remember that, at least that and, and start thinking about that for tomorrow. I mean, what I hope they might think, the crux of it really is that if you want organizational performance, if you want the best out of your team, if you want the best for your business or your, your organization, you have to start, you have to work on employee engagement. Um, and, you know, and it, there's nothing wrong with your people. There's everything wrong with our organizations and businesses. But that's good because it means that we can change them. It's much easier to change the organization than it is to change all the people. Um, that's what I hope people will think about. And maybe they'll be, you know, tempted to read my book or one that's similar to it. Well, how can people get a hold of you if they're interested in learning more, uh, want to find out about you or your speaking? What, what can they do? Uh, so the book's got a website. It's just uh, rebelplaybook.com. Uh, you can download the first two chapters for free. Um, so rebelplaybook.com. You can contact me through that or on LinkedIn. I've got my own website at glennelliot.me. Uh, That's Glenn Elliott with two N's, two L's, and two T's. Uh, and you can book me as a speaker or get me to come and chat or just even just hit me up on LinkedIn or on email for a, you know, Free questions. I'll answer any questions that people have got and try and be as helpful as I can. Well, thank you so much for being a part of our show today and uh, spending a little extended amount of time with us. Really appreciate it. Hopefully we have you come back at some point and uh, give us an update and tell us all the other cool and interesting things you've been learning out in your uh, consulting and travels and everything else you're doing. So thank you for being a part of the show. Thanks so much for having me, Chris. I really appreciate it. All right. Thank you to all my listeners who've been a uh, listening today or if you've uh, caught us on a podcast or something i really appreciate it hopefully you've gained something you can use in your own career in a positive way next week i'll have two great guests carrie um, ulrich ceo and co-founder of uh, brassy and emma bridger uh, director of the people lab so until then do what you love and show the world how talented you can be today You've been listening to Talent Talk Radio, brought to you by People G2.